from the Allen Media Worldwide Headquarters Studios, high atop two Turtle Creek, this is Deconstructing Dallas. Greetings, everyone. It's your host, Ryan Trimble. On a steamy, hot summer day here in Big D, joined, of course, by the always sporty Sean P. Williams. Sean, good day, sir. Good day, Ryan Trimble. I want to talk about some sports, but before we do... I, and I, we may have done this in the last show as well, but I've got to say this has been some of the most ridiculous weather, even for Texas. As a lifelong Texan, um, I, I have seen things over these last two and a half weeks that I don't know that I've ever seen. And a lot of it I've seen before, but never in such a compressed period of time. I believe the word you're looking for, Sean, is unprecedented. These are unprecedented weather conditions. And as you know, I follow these things. I am an observer of the weather, weather patterns. You are. Weather models, all of these things dealing with weather. I mean, yesterday alone was, it went from like 115 degrees on the heat scale, you know, to at three o'clock in the afternoon, I talked to our colleague, Deborah, and I said, is it still daytime? Because it is pitch black outside. Yeah. It, and I thought, you know, as we were sitting here just a few minutes ago, Sean, I thought we were going to get hit again. I was watching the storm clouds roll in. Lo and behold, it's sunny out now. So uh, beats me. I don't know. You're the one with the models. So uh, I'll just have to come down to your office and check in. Well, um, as of today, and I know this conversation is only germane to the two of us, but I think we're good. My confidence is low in the ceiling, and I think that there won't be any rain on today. Fabulous. But but if if there is, perhaps it's a good thing that uh, the Texas Rangers have a roof on their stadium now? It is. I mean, this is the time that the roof was built for. It was built for this time of year. I believe I complained about four or five weeks ago because there was a game I went to in the evening when it was approximately 80 degrees, maybe even 78 when it felt like the roof should have been open. But, you know, I think we're all closed all the time from here on out. Yes. Uh, as they say, the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire, perhaps, Sean. But you won't be on fire inside. Huh? No, 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 no. Texas is on fire, but inside the comfy confines, the cozy confines of globe life, it is a balmy, balmy, I'm sure, what, 73, 74 degrees. I mean, it's it's chef kiss in there. And we're grateful for it. I mean, it was, again, you know, I know there are some folks who have already fast forwarded to the interview session, uh, especially if they already know that we're going to be talking to Rebecca Acuna. But, I mean, it was unbearable. Those games, I mean, you have to try to get seats that were on the shade side if you were lucky. And, I mean, it was just you tried. Because it felt like you had to, but it, you couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, there were some times when I fought through that summer sun. And don't get me wrong, the ballpark in Arlington, which forgive me, Globe Life, for calling it that still. But, I mean, I have a deep affinity for that stadium, Sean, as you know. We should, but, we should, know, we should know this. But uh-huh. it, I'm just hopefully our listeners aren't listening to this part. Is it Choctaw Stadium now? Correct. It is correct. Okay. Our, our client, Choctaw? Our client, Choctaw, okay. has okay. generously sponsored yes. the Choctaw. And, and I think the point here is we love Choctaw Stadium. Like, that is 
something. Yes. I, I will never forget my days at Choctaw Stadium, the games at Choctaw Stadium, all the times I've been to Choctaw Stadium. Saw my first World Series there with my dad, Lauren and I grilling out, and Mike Haynes and all these guys. Man, a lot of good times. A lot of good times out there, Sean. I am coming around. I am coming around on Globe Life. I am. Um, and I, you know, I'll probably try to make a couple more trips, but man, all of my memories are at the artist formerly known as the ballpark. In yeah. Great stuff. Well, your, te- your first place, Texas Rangers. I'm glad you're leading the charge, Sean, because they are, they are cooking, man. They are rocking. So Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, I mean, Dolis Garcia, they uh, pitching is great. I mean, the hitting is great, but the pitching is also great. Martin Perez won yeah. yesterday, went to seven and three. Nathan Ivaldi, I think, is an all-star this year. Um, so I, I am I am going to predict. I'm going to predict three, over under three and a half on Texas Ranger All-Stars. I'm going to take the over. Although I think it's probably three. I think uh, the third baseman Young could sneak on, the rookie could sneak on the All-Star team. That's you heard it here first, people. You heard it here first. So um, how about our guest today that we have been chasing for probably a couple of years now? Yeah, for sure. You know, um, we are excited to have Rebecca Acuna join us. Um, it, Rebecca is, of course, the lead uh, government affairs for PepsiCo, uh, leads the charge on all of their brands. Pepsi has Gatorade and um Aquafina and all sorts of different different brands, not just you know the the old tried and true Pepsi or Diet Pepsi. They still have Pepsi Clear. I guess we should ask her. But um, anyway, we we may get into that. But super excited. She has a really really cool background. Um, we had some overlap in the state house. Uh, she was down there grinding. I was probably at a happy hour. Uh, <laughs> but you know. It's all good. It all comes out in the wash. So excited to visit with her today. She has got an amazing career, and I really wanted to talk about her story. I want to talk about her experiences, and we'll probably need to get her back on again to go over a few more things. But I thought since we had the chance, you know, we should probably talk about her amazing career and experiences. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I'm sure that Judge Torres Williams and Mrs. Trimble are going to be like, Hey, you dummies! The way you finally got her on. Thank you. So yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. That that is one that we can check off, and I will be making filing my report on that today. <laughs> Indeed. Well, let's jump right into the interview after a short break. This is deconstructing Dallas. Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. Sean, I'm excited to be joined today by someone we've talked about having on for a long time. Finally, we're able to uh, get her scheduled, and we are so excited. She, of course, the great Rebecca Acuna, the Director of Government Affairs for PepsiCo. Rebecca, welcome to the show. 
Hey, thank you so much, Ryan and Sean, for the invitation. I am very honored that you all thought about me and invited me to be on the show today. Absolutely. 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 Now, I, I think that probably um, uh, you know our wives better than you know us, but we have you know long admired you and your work. But for the, our listeners, um, can, you, can you share a little bit about yourself and, and your background and uh, who you are? You know, first, that's right. I do know your wives better than I know you all. And they're both wonderful, wonderful women. And if, if they chose you all, you must you must be great people, too. So I grew up in. Well, I grew up in South Texas in, in the 956 in both McAllen and Laredo. I went to the University of Texas in Austin and. While there, I became very passionate about politics, about civic engagement and legislative work. I, um, you all know, I am a director of government, government affairs at PepsiCo now. But prior to my corporate role, I always worked in, in government and politics. I worked in the state legislature for four different sessions, congressional race, Congress, um, presidential, some campaigns. So I am in the corporate sector now, but real big love for civic engagement. And I really love to travel and try very interesting and new food. That's very cool. And, you know, knowing that you're from the 956, knowing that about the and having read even some stories that have kind of talked about your story in 956, would love to know um, something that you take from your upbringing that really shapes who you are today and, and kind of what you found yourself doing? Sean, that's a very important question because this really shaped every single thing about me, about what I do, about how I think. It's I, I grew up in Laredo and because of, let's say, immigration backlogs, even though my father had an immigration petition for us, I was born in Mexico, but grew up in Laredo. And my family for many, many, many years had an immigration petition, but because of the backlogs, I was undocumented for a very long time. And right before my senior year of high school, something happened. The state legislator, the state legislature passed a law that said that if you graduated from a Texas high school and had been a longtime resident of the state, you got to go to college and pay in-state tuition rates. So for me, that meant I was now going to college and I wanna make something clear. I paid off my loans not that long ago, all right, despite having graduated high school in, in 2002. But what that taught me as a 17 year old was that just because I had never thought about politics or policy or a law or knew what a house bill want was, one had just, changed my entire life. And that that was really how impactful what happens in government is, that it, it could change multiple generations by even just one bill. And that's why I I am where I am now and why I got so involved in, in the legislative process. Yeah, that, that's very cool. Uh, you know, as a former legislative staff for myself and a fellow um recently paid off my student loans. I, I can relate to this story as well a little bit. Um, now, I did want to go back and talk to you a little bit about your work at PepsiCo. Tell us about all you're doing at Pepsi today throughout the state uh, and your role here in Dallas. 
It is such a fun job. So I represent the global portfolio of all of our brands. Some people just think of, you know, Blue Can Pepsi, but it's really PepsiCo. It is Aquafina, Bubbly, Pepsi, Frito-Lay, Quaker, Rice-A-Roni. We have so many bare snacks. I represent the portfolio in uh, with policy policymakers and stakeholders in seven states in the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico. And one sentence I would say, I protect our license to operate by monitoring legislation, operations, and reputation building. And the company has been for hundreds of thousands of people in the state of Texas, about 16,000 people, the entry to the middle class. And I see my role as protecting our license to operate. We are also protecting all of these Texas families. Well, I've had a chance to work with you um, and some of the work you do also with the PepsiCo Foundation and my role as the social justice practice lead for Allen Media. And we were in some meetings with Floral Cliff and your colleague, Matt Smith. And so I wanted to talk or get you to talk a little bit more about the work that PepsiCo does in the community and why that seems to be such a big part of your organization. Community work is a huge part of the organization. It's my favorite aspect of the job. And the way we look at it is we're investing in, in home base. We've got about 16,000 employees in the state of Texas, about 7,500 to 8,000, depending on which counties we count in North Texas. But a full 25% of our North Texas families live in, in Southern Dallas. And we are a global company. And if we're talking about making global invest investments, we have to start in our backyard. So we're talking about our company's future workforce. Um, that's one of the reasons why we invest at home. Our, we're a P-Tech partner with South Oak Cliff High School. We invest in organizations that are trusted in the community, um, that are bringing people up. But honestly, the hope is that we're, cre we're creating a pipeline for for these very strong jobs that are at our company. If we want to be sustainable in the future, we have to invest in our workforce, in Dallas workforce, and in Dallas families. Yeah, I love that story. It's, that's great, Rebecca. Um, now, after the break, I wanted to go back to your, your work in politics. It's pretty expansive, but um, you are into a lot of stuff. One of those things, uh, you spent some time as the executive director for the Latino Center for Leadership. Now, I know we've had a lot of friends who have benefited from the program, including uh, as, you know, a recently elected judge, Judge Dominique Torres-Williams, uh, the great Dominique Torres-Williams. So tell us a little bit about your role at, at the center. You know, first, I've got to say, I love that Sean always says Judge Williams on this show. The first time I heard it, it's like, is there another judge? Judge Williams or he's talking about Dominique. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. He always refers to his wife as as Judge Williams. And, and at home too, most of the time. So it's kind of easy. <laughs> well, look, the Latino Center for Leadership Development is what brought me to Dallas. I was recruited by George Baldor, who I met in when I worked was working on a 2014 um, campaign to come build this entity with him that was going to serve as a pipeline to public office um, for young people in Dallas. And the way I looked at this was essentially, how could I, the way I look at everything, is how do you remove obstacles 
for other people? How do you take everything you've learned? So everything I would have learned in my many years and as a legislative staffer and campaigns and like give that knowledge to people so that they're not starting from scratch. So the goal was to identify individuals who are already leaders in their community. And while we were building a pipeline to public office, we were not looking at political places, right? We were not looking at precinct chairs. We were just looking for people who were involved, respected in their community. And we built a year-long a year long uh, training program where we would bring in um, other speakers who have done uh, who have done big things in their cities, whether dealing with nutrition or homelessness or healthcare, college accessibility, and share all this knowledge that would say, "Hey, what are the problems? What are the issues impacting Dallas and our community? What are the tools you can to?" make those better? And how do you, um, in order to get to these policymaking roles, how can you share your story and learn how to run an effective campaign? So it was a campaign and, pu- and public policy boot camp for a year that brought in like-minded individuals together. And we've seen the successes of that program, including with Judge Williams. This is Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams, We're going to take a quick break and be back with Rebecca shortly to talk about her political background. So stick with us through the break. Welcome back, Deconstructing Dallas. Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble, we are with Rebecca Acuna, Director of Government Affairs at PepsiCo, straight from the 956. Uh, mm-hmm. Rebecca, you know, one of the reasons we really wanted to have you on is because Ryan and I love, you know, the different experiences that you've had in politics. Um, it's something that's very interesting to us. So, you know, we'd love to just go over a couple of things you've done. First being the fact that the legislative session in Texas just ended, and I'm sure that brought back some memories, fine, maybe not so fine all the time memories for you, but you spent some time uh, as a staffer in the State House, and so I uh, just wanted to get you to reflect on that time and talk about that experience. It's interesting that you said fond, right? It It is to this day, this was my first job working in the State Building, and to this day, after all of the other jobs I've had, I'll tell you, it is the toughest one I've ever had. It was boot camp. You all be nice to legislative staffers. There is so much work to do, so little staff, a very small budget. But what it did is it forced, because you're in such a time crunch, you're forced to take on multiple projects. You're forced to learn. Um, You're forced to go as fast as you can. This was really boot camp for me. There were extremely high expectations. And in, in the office I worked for, and I worked for State Representative Garnett Coleman. He was a, a chair of a committee. He had been there 20 years when I started working for him. And it was there that I really um, became a communications professional. 
because before that, to be honest, I just really needed a job. And I had applied for a legislative position, but this was the one that was open. So I learned it was trial by fire. Um, people don't realize the, the impact that you can make on thousands of families, whether you're working on Medicaid, children's health insurance program, at college tuition, but essentially you're put into an environment where you wear multiple hats, you do a little bit of everything and you have to become an expert in many fields. So it really prepared me for, for the rest of my work in politics. Yeah, I, I never knew why. I always got the smallest desk in the Capitol office during <laughs> my time down there, but um, perhaps I was the Dallas guy getting kicked around. But um, it, it, aside from your work in Austin, I know you spent some time uh, on Capitol Hill in D.C. as well, uh, working for uh, Congressman P. Gallego. What was that experience like? I loved it. I'll say this. Um, so loving politics before and being a having worked multiple sessions in the state house i always saw Cong congress as mecca you know like the most incredible place and when i had the opportunity to go i had i had a lot of self doubt and i was like oh my gosh how can how am i going to stack up to the people up here and a a reporter from a very senior reporter from the san antonio express news took me to the press club for lunch I had worked with him when I worked at the, at the state party and he made a, a passing comment that really changed my work there. He said over a meal, he said something like, you know, Rebecca, you're going to be one of the most experienced press secretaries on the Hill. And I said, Gary, me, are you talking about little me? I'm new. And he's like, Oh, absolutely. You've worked multiple sessions. You've done a campaign. You work for a state party, you're, you're so much more prepared than most people on here. And that really changed the way I thought about myself and, and really let me kick butt and excel at that job because I got out of my own head, right? It made work every, it made work so much fun every day. Um, pros and cons. I will say that, you know, Congress doesn't pass as much legislation as we're used to seeing in the state house. But the pros are that you have a much bigger, um, you have a bigger portfolio and a bigger presence to to impact debate and dialogue over a topic. I, I loved working in Congress. If we move up to 2020, you had a chance to be the Texas State Director for the Biden campaign and uh, would love to know about that. And also, you know, if you plan to join in 2024. You know, it was a very interesting time. We all remember 2020. We were in a pandemic. I think I was quarantining like everybody else. And this opportunity came to me. I got a call. And interestingly enough, people had asked me and I was recommending, I was giving names of other people who I thought would be good. And finally, they called me and they said, you know, well, what about you? It's like me? No, I'm sleeping great. I'm going on walks. I'm making like I'm making my own meals. Like you want me to, you know, go into turmoil for months? And I said, let me think about it. And then I I thought to myself, can I look back later in my life? 
can I look back at 2020 and think that I had an opportunity to play a role into changing what government looked like at that point and that I said no because I was too comfortable. So I, I said yes. <laughs> I said yes. It was a very difficult endeavor. Number one, we were, we were playing by different rules. We, the Biden and Biden campaign at that time was taking COVID extremely seriously. So we were not uh, doing in-person events. We were not, we did not have a traditional field program with knocking on doors. So we had to get very creative um, about using the internet and Zoom and phone banks and getting celebrities and to get people engaged and doing a lot of phone and, and texting. And then there's also just managing a lot of people. Um, every, you know, everybody wants the principals in their cities. Then everybody, then as soon as that happens, every everybody wants to introduce the principals. So you're dealing with uh, keeping staff happy, trying to get more resources for your state, um, and keeping your friends from from saying anything bad about you in public. Do I plan to join in 2024? I would say no, but I also said I would have never joined in 2020, so you never know. So you heard it here first on Deconstructing <laughs> Dallas, Rebecca Acuna on the 2024 team. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, Rebecca, I know you you mentioned uh, COVID, and personally, thank you for your engagement because I know you helped uh, Judge Jenkins and the team uh, during that time. What what was that like for you? You're going through the campaign, but you're also helping the local, uh, you know, our, our county judge here. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I'll say that the the stepping into the COVID task force was before the campaign. It, it was in the beginning of COVID and had to give you put that on pause for a minute. So, you know, Judge Jenkins calls me early on and work is very hectic at this point, like it is for everyone. We're trying to figure out what the impact of COVID, we're doing virtual work for the first time, working from our house, from our houses, having calls every day on the PepsiCo side, like, like many people across the country. And Judge Jenkins calls, and again, me, call to public, it's always about a call to public service. And he says, hey, listen, our staff is not, we don't have a large staff. We have, you know, they have a very small staff, right? Um, I'm assembling a group of people to be a part of our COVID task force team. And you have a background in communications. Can you help get communications out to, to, to people in Dallas County? Can you help us with Spanish language? And, you know, thought about it for a day and I agreed. It, it ended up being like a second full-time job. So, you know, work was already very, very hectic because of the pandemic, but it was very, it was very important. It was very re rewarding. Um, the judge and his team are class act. They're very collaborative. I really learned a lot about leadership from that environment and certainly was some, you know, also some crisis communications because there was a lot of, there was a public health crisis and there was also a lot of politics. So you were really trying to navigate, how do you get information out to people that it's gonna keep them safe, that it's gonna keep them healthy, that's gonna keep them alive, 
while also acknowledging that there was misinformation and politics getting in the way. Well, you know, we do enjoy talking about politics and, you know, learning about that part of your career. But also we know you have a heart for the community, as we talked about earlier, and uh, community service. And, you know, one of the roles that you have um, is as board chair, incoming board chair for the child care group and organization has a strong two-generation approach to working with families. And so what drew you to that organization and, and what do you see as the future for child care group? It was really my upbringing. My, both of my parents, we were, we were working class. Both of my parents worked at restaurants. My mom at, at first at a Chinese, at a Chinese restaurant, then at a Denny's, my dad at a Mexican food restaurant. And oftentimes my, my parents had to go to work before we went to school. And what that meant for me as the, the older sibling is that so ever since I was, you know, nine years old, I was setting my alarm, waking up for school, waking up my sister, grabbing some uh, cereal or something for breakfast, then watch a little TV. And when the TV turned off, there was an, a timer in it. We knew it was time to go outside and wait for the school bus. And that's just, I never thought it was unusual. I never thought it was odd. And that's what growing up looked like because our parents had to work. Honestly, I just thought that was normal. I didn't realize, I guess, until honestly a few years ago and seeing families with resources that some families have access to schools that you pay for, to summer camps, to tutors, to many things that I didn't even know were an option. And I joined the child care group because it is providing education for kids from low and middle income families. Um, you can enroll based on your income at maybe small cost or no cost to have your children in an environment where they're getting education where they're being taught by loving people, but also recognizing that some families prefer to stay, prefer for a parent to stay home with their child. Child care group also trains parents who, who want to be in a situation to stay home of how the parent can best teach um, some educational, teach some components to their kids as if they were in Childcare, And again, if I'm talking about removing obstacles for people, this is one way that multiple generations can, can get a head start. So aside from bringing this extra education to kids from low and middle income families and their parents, this is also a very important component to workforce. We all know we're seeing a huge labor shortage right now two of the top reasons. One is uh, retirements, but the second is that COVID, the pandemic really disrupted um, childcare centers and schools and many, many parents, and it was mostly the women had to, many, many mothers uh, stopped working because they needed childcare. So providing childcare is not only good for kids and families, it's also a very important component to workforce. Well, Rebecca, this has been 
so great hearing uh, about your story. Uh, if our listeners want to find you or even even find PepsiCo on social media or online, uh, where can they find you? Twitter, um, Racuna TX, R-A-C-U-N-A TX, or LinkedIn is also a great, great place to connect. We're so grateful for you taking some time out um, to chat with us. This has been fascinating and we look forward to catching up to you, you know, here and there, just like we usually do. Hey, thank you all so much for the invite. And I really want to tell everyone listening Everyone has an area of expertise. Pick a topic, pick an issue. There are many opportunities to help make Dallas even better. Well, we appreciate you for being an example of that, Rebecca, and we look forward to talking to you soon. We'll be right back after this. This is Deconstructing Dallas. Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. Be right back. Welcome back, Deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. Ryan, that was a, it's always great to have our friends and people we know on this show, but to have someone with such an amazing diversity of experience on their resume, it, it was great. Yeah, Rebecca, that was really great. Loved hearing her personal story and, you know, getting up and uh, getting on the bus when the timer went off. And so, uh, Rebecca, thank you, uh, truly for coming on and spending some time with us today. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, do a couple more sports quick hits if I, if I can, um, I'm always here for them. One, how about the PAC 12 chatter? I mean, there was chatter more so earlier in the kind of year, but I, I don't know where we're at on that right now. Yeah, it, indeed, Sean. I'm glad you bring it up. Uh, as you know, I have been following it. Um, it, it closely may not be the right word. Uh, intimately, maybe I don't know. I'm uh, I'm a sick, sick uh, tweeter, twitterer on this subject, and follow it pretty much daily. Uh, I think that we are close to the Pac-12 coming to an agreement on their deal. Um, you know, I don't want to jinx anything. I like there's a local school that, um, you know, perhaps has a shot to get an invite. Um, it, you may have heard heard the name before, Sean. I don't know if I've mentioned there's a school called SMU. Um, I am familiar. I, th- I think that San Diego State and SMU are probably your top two best options to uh, be the next, you know, group of five teams to make the – jump whatever that means to a power conference um high high big fun times on the hilltop got some great recruits you know nil has kind of changed the game sean and so it's uh really a fun time it's fun on twitter at least stay tuned well again it sounds like you are being the predictor here and we'll see i mean there were some tea leaves with san diego state so we'll see how that goes you know, I've been watching the scheduling for the SEC, the 2024 season's opponents that have come out. Looks like 
we will get Texas and Texas A&M back on the books. I'm a big proponent of the nine. I probably told you this. I'm a big proponent of the nine conference game schedule, but it looks like we're only going to get eight. Um, you know, I was talking to a fellow Aggie, Chris Bowers, former colleague from the city of Dallas, and he you know, was like, hey, at least for the first time, we do not have Alabama on the schedule, which yeah. is cool. Uh, but, it, you know, we've been in the Big 12, excuse me, we've been in the SEC since 2012, and still Georgia has not made an appearance in College Station. I mean, there is a better way to do this. I think this nine, um, I guess we, we're doing away with divisions, and so I think it allows us to play more teams in a short amount of time, but we got to get to nine games. I mean, it just has to happen. Yes, I know, uh, you know, I know you enjoy the Lamar game always. Um, I know you enjoy we some love of Prairie View. I love Prairie View. North, love Northwestern Prairie State, man. No shade on these teams. Yeah. Um, but uh, probably more fun. You know, I was looking back at some old – this is how what a junkie I am. I was looking back at, like, Colorado's national championship in 1990, and they played – I mean, it was ridiculous, all the teams they played from all over the country. So – uh, you know, top t- top uh, top ranked teams, but anyway, that's me being a nerd. I did see a really fun, uh, uh, bad photoshopping of here's how Kyle Fields should look on the day of the the next Texas Texas A and M game, and it was like the stands. There were like ten more <laughs> <laughs> ten more <laughs> levels of stands all moved out. It was amazing. Cannot imagine. Well, hey, I will be tuned in. I don't know when exactly how, but I, I will be tuned in. Yeah, you need to go. Well, uh, I'm going to put in a request. Um, so <laughs> that is the that is the show that is Deconstructing Dallas, another episode. Um, please check out um, this episode, but also check us out because we've got a guest coming up that we've already got booked coming up soon. So in my I do want you to check out the Dallas Morning News commentary for a column from Antoine Joyce. He uh, is talking about the summer slide in Dallas, and he is a future guest for Deconstructing Dallas and a client of Alamedia. So check that out. We want to thank our guest, Rebecca Cunha, Director of Government Affairs at PepsiCo. We want to thank our owners, Mary Willie, Jennifer Pascal. We want to thank our our colleague Deborah Meek for helping us pull all of this together and all of our colleagues here at Alamedia. Media. Please, please, please recommend this podcast to your friends. We know it's working because we can see that there are more people listening. So tell them that they can find Deconstructing Dallas on any of their preferred podcast platforms. Feel free to leave a review. Give us five stars. We will take it. So until we meet again, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble, Deconstructing Dallas. Adios.